Our reading this morning is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> well, if you're in years seven and nine and one of our young people, please follow Greg. Uh, go to Alternative upstairs in the youth room. Uh, please do make your exits now. Chris is drawing along as we go along in our service. Hopefully I have time just to um, hear and reflect at the end. I'd love to hear uh, how you've come to your um, image this morning. Well, we're starting a new series in September. It feels appropriate. The term starts uh, and um, uh, opportunity for us to delve into the Gospel of John. Let me pray um, before we do so. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gathered church. Lord God, I pray this morning that as we reflect and hear you, that you would continue to speak into our lives. Lord God, challenge us anew and afresh. Help us to grow in the year ahead. Help us to learn newness of your grace and your truth. Amen. Well, we're looking uh, through the Gospel of John. I'd like to give a little book recommendation if you're into reading. Uh, this book by Ian Galloway. He's one of the lecturers at Cranmer. Um, called to be friends. A really interesting uh, kind of look at the Gospel of John. Um, Ian's coming to preach in a few months' time, uh, and uh, we'll be preaching on John as well. So if you buy a copy, you could get him to sign it uh, in a few months' time. I'm sure I'd appreciate um, doing that. A really um, fantastic book, uh, looking at fresh eyes through the Gospel of John. Now, what a Gospel that we have. What a story that we have in front of us. 
John's Gospel is often people's favourite Gospel. If you're a new Christian, it's one that we encourage you to read. Go and hear stories of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And there's a way just to contrast what John gives us that some of the other Gospels don't give us. Now, there's probably two events, the same event recorded in John's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel. John, in his Gospel, talks about a woman named Mary who takes a pound of costly perfume, anoints Jesus' feet, wipes them with her hair to anoint his feet. John talks about the house being filled with the fragrance of this perfume. We see the intimacy of this interaction between Jesus and Mary. In Matthew's version, we have an unknown woman simply coming to Jesus, pouring oil on his head and sitting at a table. No fragrance in Matthew's Gospel. No intimacy of anointing in Matthew's Gospel. John pulls out something that others don't. This poeticness that John brings to the account, I think, helps us place ourselves in Jesus' midst. So as a way of introduction... John's Gospel originally didn't come with the name John written at the top of the Gospel. None of the Gospels did, actually. This is what we're talking about when we talk about Scripture. John is the title that we've given it as the four Gospels were circulated uh, and generally agreed that it's John the Apostle, the beloved one that we're talking about. But that name, John's Gospel, doesn't appear on the top of the original Although the author might be unclear, the reason for writing the gospel is not. The author of the book tells us exactly why he wrote this book. In John 20, he said, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's why it's here. That's why we're reading it. That's why we're looking at it. That we may believe in Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if you want to learn more about hermeneutics of the book, all of that stuff, then please, there's thousands of libraries worth of books out there for you to study at your leisure. We're going to reflect this morning. And before we do that, why... (coughs) um, (coughs) I guess the question of this book, a question that comes to, can we trust it? Can we trust any of Scripture? True, the words uh, that Timothy talks when he reflects on the Old Testament, when he says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that, servant of God, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That, what Timothy says about the old, we can say about the new. It can be trusted but it's a wrestling with scripture. These words weren't just magically trans transferred into this book that we have in front of us or the app that you have on your phone. It is this that we're talking about. Words translated, wrestled with, tried to be understood, and that's what we're doing this morning, wrestling with Scripture, trying to understand. Because in Scripture we see these amazingly crafted stories, retelling accounts of Jesus' life, so that we may believe And I firmly believe that the Gospels 
can be trusted. So our passage this morning is a little prologue, an amazing pinnacle of scripture, pinnacle of writing. The author is telling us something about the whole of the gospel in these few verses. He's telling us who Jesus is, who John is, and who we are. That's what's happening in these 18 verses. Who is Jesus, who is John, and who are we? If you look at this verse, there's a number of words that come out. Things like the word comes out three times, became, made, came, all similar verbs. These provide a rhythm in the original writing that can get a little bit lost as it's translated into English. This passage is a crafted piece of writing. It's not just a couple of scribbles on a piece of paper. The author has crafted this so that we might believe who Jesus is and believing that we might have life in his name. So as we delve into this, let's be mindful of the author's intent. And it starts off with an amazing verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John uses a lot of repetition, a lot of numbers, so three times he says something, and we know that three is a significant number in Scripture. Now imagine writing a novel or an essay and starting with it, and starting it with to be or not to be, that is the question. Or now is the winter of our discontent. If you say those things, you're taking the reader to somewhere else, aren't you? You're borrowing something. The reader will no doubt be in no doubt about the author's intention. They're making a connection between their words and, in this point, Shakespeare. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, these are echoes of Genesis that every reader would have understood. In the beginning, God created the heavens on and the earth. John uses these to draw the reader in, to say that beginning, the Genesis beginning, is connected to this beginning. John places Jesus at the very centre of creation, not only Israel's story, but the whole of the universe, the very origin of this world. Jesus' identity is set on the biggest and grandest foundation possible. God being the creator at the beginning was at the core of Israel's story. When other tribes and nations spoke about many gods fighting and arguing, Israel spoke of one God guiding them. The one God that created everything. There was no chaos in this one God. It was God over all. God's hand was holding all together. So when Israel read the creation accounts, we see that God encouraged them to turn away from making idols to worship. Don't make your God. God made you. God was God because he created, sustained God's people through the acts of Lord. Jesus wasn't just created at the same time like an heir to the throne. He was there. You can't make a bigger claim about anyone else. 
Jesus was there at the very beginning. If you read Matthew's Gospel, you see it starts with the genealogy, places Jesus in the line of Abraham. John places Jesus at the very creation of this world. Jesus spoke and the very word of God was heard, not in a cloud or a whisper, but in a person. Within this opening few verses, few words, John frames the Christian faith. These are the words our life in Christ stands on. God breathes into Adam and Eve, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, comes along, and that same breath is within his lungs. It's the life force that flows, flows through us and is the light to all humankind. God, John sets out the word in three different ways. In the beginning, there's pre-existence of the world, and the word was with God. There's presence of the word, and the, and, and the word was God. This person of the world, at the, at before, now, and in the future. God is over, Jesus is over all these things. The one who spoke the world into existence, and this speaking God sends his son into the living world. At what cost, though? This light, this light, this words that we have comes along. Genesis tells us of the great cost that humanity felt when the story tells of the snake sliding around, sneaking, finding the best way to cause the maximum amount of trouble. With that deception comes the darkness, oppression, jealousy, murder, pain, rivalry, fear and death, all too evident as we read the Old Testament. This darkness fought, fell over the created dream. What was designed for God's glory and beauty is marred with darkness. Picture Gotham City, clouded in darkness, a sort of constant blanket of misery, crime and murder, corruption and decay. But like the bat signal shining out, Batman probably stands like a more violent Jesus, I think, in the film. But Batman offers hope and light, light shining in the darkness. Where Batman brings violence, though, Jesus stands, arms stretched wide open, showing that what might make a great movie doesn't stretch doesn't cut it in our needing to be transformed. Only love and grace shining out can in the end bring God's plan to our world. And this light that Jesus brings, this brightness, is in us as well. All humanity, his qualities and abilities are there, but we're clouded in the darkness. Everyone is impacted the best of humanity that we could have cannot escape the challenges of darkness and the very worst expression of humanity cannot be without some light. Light shines in the darkness. Albert John goes on. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognise him. So, and though, though the world... Did, uh, was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. 
This great light that walks this world is not recognised. The failure in the Garden of Eden is the failure 2,000 years later. We don't see him. It's the echoes of Matthew. Then they replied, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of those brothers and sisters, you refuse to help me. The light was ignored. Jesus was hiding in plain sight for those that those chose not to look. Many will walk by not seeing the word of God. Like a clouded Gotham city, we too fail to see Christ in our midst. John is leading the reader to the conclusion of the end of the story, a nod to the end. That the great man, will not be loved by all in the end. His words exposing the darkness, we will all, um, will just cause trouble to himself. John is echoing what happens to the light in the end. Thirdly, that we're called children of God, verse 13. Much is said in our current culture about our human rights, a right to a free trial, to life, to freedom. We also have a spiritual right as well to a claimed, an unclaimed inheritance, unclaimed position as children of God. We have no birthright, but we're adopted. Everyone can make a claim to this gift of God. Verse 12 said, And yet you who did not receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. Children not born of natural descent nor human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The light brings with it an adoption into God's family. It's John's story that we're part of God's family. All are parts of God's family who want to be adopted. Israel wasn't born into God's family. They were adopted as well. God chose them, declared them to be his children. There's nothing in their goodness that brought them there. It was God's decision to do so. And again, just as he did with Abraham, now he does with all. All can come to God. We're all now gathered to God as our Father through Jesus Christ, through the gift of grace given to us. We can now say we're part of God's family. This precious gift isn't a ticket to heaven, rather a life on earth as it is in heaven. We form the body. Paul talks about all playing our parts, our responsibility, worshipping, fellowshipping together, all growing in the light that we have in us, shining out to the world around us. And finally, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the unique one, the only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Our God's not in the box anymore. He's gone rogue. God's left the building, John's saying. God dwells now in all creation. Jesus will later walk into those temples where God's presence was supposed to have been and said, angrily, turning this place upside down. 
not realising that the very word of God had stepped into where that word should have been. The image flows here. The glory wasn't in the temple, it was in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Is anyone going to see him? Or are they invested in the system over the Saviour? John says, we've seen this glory. You see, Jewish rabbis used to talk about the Shekinah glory, the presence of God being with his people. John is pointing back to Old Testament stories, to those reading this. He's saying, remember those old stories we told each other? Stories around the campfire when we escaped Egypt, the slavery there, this cloud, of, this cloud in front of us, this pillar, people guiding us in the night. The massive flames that save us. Remember that old story that we told around the fireplace? That same glory that was present in the ark and in the temple, remember that, is now present in Jesus Christ. <coughs> the glory is present in who Jesus is. That man who goes on to later to invite his friends around the table, laugh with them, drink with them. That glory of who Jesus was, sorry, that glory of God is now present in that friend of Jesus Christ. <coughs> John the Baptist sees him and shouts out, this is the one I'm speaking about. He who comes after me will surpass me because he was before me. This is the man, John is saying. And John the Baptist is reaffirming it. He's hearing these stories, John's saying. Read this letter, read these stories, because the very presence of God is dwelling in Jesus Christ. Listen to the message, live by the message. <coughs> Not only that, but we see in John 16, the gift that's left behind not an idol to put on our shelves, but the spirit for the everything and the everlasting. The word in spirit transforming this world. Our faith is a living faith, not set aside for Sunday mornings, but for the word in every aspect of our lives. Pray as we go through this gospel that you'll allow the stories to reveal themselves afresh, And then we might understand something of what John the Baptist is saying when he says, this is the one I'm talking about. He's important. But not just that. We're the children of God, ones who are called to point to who Jesus is, sharing the light that was there from the very beginning. You see, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do we let God dwell in us, I guess, is the question. It's not in a Sunday morning service. It's not in the buildings. He dwells around you, with you, speaks to you, cares for you. And as we come to a close, just want to encourage us to take some moments just to be still in a busy service with lots of words and things said. Just maybe to close our eyes. And in the darkness, place ourselves at Jesus' feet. 
aware of his spirit dwelling around us, of all our choices, the things that are buzzing around, (coughs) of the worries, the fears, the doubts, the hurts and the pains that can dim the light of who you are. As they buzz around us, I pray that we might hear something of Jesus' words, of the Holy Spirit's presence. And in these few moments of silence now, oh God, help us to see something of your dwelling. 